This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Your radio doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, products, physicians, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on your radio doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars, Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com slash star. Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement. Talk Radio 1210. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. It's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Saturday afternoon at 5. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Listen, 7 months or 10 months is an absolutely exceptional, exceptionally short time frame to produce this vaccine. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good evening and welcome to your radio doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. It's March, Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month, and we continue our discussion about the importance of screening for this common but preventable disease. Last week, we learned that the screening age has been lowered from age 50 to 45 for everyone, men and women, maybe younger, depending on your family history. This week, we'll discuss why people hesitate to undergo screening and bring good news about the PrEP, which we hope will convince more people to undergo life-saving screenings. Joining us is a very special guest, Dr. David Johnson. Professor of Medicine and Chief of Gastroenterology at the Eastern Virginia School of Medicine in Norfolk, an internationally recognized GI doctor with extensive research in several areas, 600 articles and chapters, textbooks, excellent reference books for physicians on gastroesophageal reflux disease, obesity issues in GI, the microbiome of the gut and its effects of sleep fragmentation, and colorectal cancer screening. For our National GI Society, the American College of Gastroenterology, he's held many leadership positions, including president, last year given the Weiss Award for Lifetime Achievement and Outstanding Career Service. He's a master of the American College of GI, a master of the American College of Physicians, an NIH great teacher. He's been invited to lecture around the world. He's on several national and state society committees numerous editorial boards for medical journals, including all GI journals, a consultant for government agencies, including the NIH, the CDC, the FDA, countless awards for excellence in teaching, highly respected by his colleagues for his tremendous contributions that have advanced colorectal cancer screening, and included in that is the first published study on the value of colonoscopy. Dr. Johnson co-authored the National Guidelines for Screening and wrote a paper on the bowel prep. We are so fortunate to have him tonight. Welcome, Dave. Marianne, you're so gracious to that introduction and to the listeners. I hope the movie, the the, uh, the book is as good as the movie, so our comments are going to be constructive and, and certainly interactive with the energy that uh, Marianne brings to the table. I am delighted to be here. Well, thank you, and I hope I did your, your profile justice. And 
I guess you can tell that I'm shimmying up for an autographed copy of those books. Can you send those comments to my family? Because <laughs> I don't think they sus- they suspect I do anything other than go to work, but that's okay. Oh, when's your birthday? Yeah, just kidding. July. It's a secret. It's yeah. A, okay. Well, oh, July 4th. We'll have fireworks for you. That works. So, Dave, we know colorectal cancer is common, but often deadly and preventable. It's the perfect cancer to screen for. Why are the... Why are people so hesitant? What are the most common reasons people delay or completely dismiss the screening process? Well, I think your comment, it's its incredibly prevalent. So it accounts for about 153,000 new cases per year, even though we've had diligence in increasing screening over the course of the last several years. It is still incredibly prevalent, and it accounts for about 53,000 deaths per year. And for the most part, these are preventable. And for patients not to understand this and physicians not to really embrace this even more so, it's 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 a travesty because these are preventable diseases. The the colon cancer screening is the way that we can detect polyps and remove them and prevent cancer. That's the perfect paradigm for screening is prevention. Because polyps, the small growth that can be in the lining of the colon, start out as benign probably uh, most of the time. I guess occasionally a cancer can start a priori, but uh, for the most part, they're benign. So why not go in, find them, remove them, and erase, make the slate clean and start fresh? It's it just is logical to us because we provide the service. But I think people sometimes uh, dismiss the whole process because as you say, they're not reminded often enough, but I think that's gotten better. Uh, sometimes people think if they don't have the risk factors of family history or obesity, uh, they eat well, they're active, they don't smoke, they don't drink excess alcohol, that, and they feel okay that there's no reason. Why would? How do you convince patients that it's important? Well, your points are spot on. The idea that, that it's not a prevalent disease, I always look at when I have a couple in the in the an examining area and I talk to them both and and it may be two family members it may be two friends it may be a, a spouse and or or a significant other and I can look at them and say the numbers are if you live to 85 in this country that your risk of developing colon cancer is going to be about six and six percent a little less for women but five and a half percent the numbers go increased uh, increasingly higher relative to some new things that we're seeing but that means that about your chances of developing colon cancer are one in 20 and the the idea that you put two of them in the room your numbers are one in 10 so the numbers are real and the the prevention is the the key paradigm the prevalence of of colon polyps is increasing. You mentioned that we did the first screening trial in the world actually back in 1987 and and looked at and found that the number of patients coming in for screening had precancerous polyps about 25% of the time. What we've seen over time is that number of percent of patients that come in for screening and have precancerous polyps is increasing in some studies close to 50%. And that really raises the alarm about concern because things have changed over the last several decades. And the risk of these precancerous polyps, as you allude to, is very much real. Recognition and removal removes virtually 100% that risk of that polyp going forward as developing cancer, again, a potentially very preventable disease. 
And we talk about women delaying because uh, the pink campaigns have really been fantastic in driving women to get mammography. Indirectly, though, a lot of women think mammogram and done. So when I see a patient for acid reflux or something that's not related to colon cancer screening, I take the opportunity to remind that all screenings are important, mammogram, GYN, et cetera, but, um, and, and colorectal cancer screening. Many women think it's a man's disease um, or they're embarrassed, but I think we've gotten better um, about explaining that it's uh, equally uh, risky for men and women. So you're a national leader in studying the value of an adequate prep. Um, and tell us about the paper that provides the national guidelines for the prep, because our listeners need to know that it's not the worst thing in the world. We're going to hear from a patient later who delayed because she was afraid of the prep. But why is it important to have an excellent prep? Sure. So in particular, let me just begin with your idea that the the, the comment, which I agree is spot on again, the about women, uh, about potentially ignoring and and thinking that they've they've done their screening it, it's incredibly important for the the women in family situations to take the lead for so many things and and in concept of they do lead and most of the family typically will follow uh, don't tell my wife I said that but anyway the concept mm-hmm. is is that women really are the integral leaders and they understand this because they've been doing screening far more than men you go back to pap smears and breast cancer screenings. And again, these are things that are very traditional and they achieve incredibly high screening percentages. The targets are about 80%. For colon screenings, we're in the 65% range, even though all these news and, and headlines and things make uh, a difference. So we've got a lot to catch up with what women accept as normal for their screening and and in particular you're never going to get 100 percent, but we can certainly do better than 60 to 65 percent and numbers that if we can move up to the numbers where women are for colon cancer uh, for for their breast cancer screening and their and their cervical screening the the numbers were by 2030 we would reduce the the incidence of colon cancer by about 20 percent that would be almost 300,000 new colon cancers would be prevented and we would have a approximately a, a third reduction in mortality. That's over 200,000 deaths that would be prevented if we got close to the targets that women set in their compliance with standard screening breast and cervical cancer. So when you get to the prep then, it's a really, you're a gastroenterologist, you understand this, but the, the stories we hear are the prep was horrible. And, and that's really not the case anymore. We certainly understand where patient perspective has come from they give you this huge gallon jug of stuff and they tell you to slurp this down and and come in for your procedure and it's really hard but the preps have really changed dramatically over the past of the last 10 years for sure and there are a number of new preps that are less as far as the the amount of liquid that you have to drink for the prep the caveat is when you go to these lower volume preps, you have to still drink the liquids around that. And that's the big challenge that I see for most of the, the preps 
you still have to drink liquids, but it can be anything. It can be water, it can be Gatorade, it can be apple juice, whatever you want. It, it is your choice, but those things are totally liberalized around new preps. There are some preps where you don't have to drink all this stuff, and there's some purgatives that you come in and you can get a clean out from below uh, an hour before the procedure and you're in your colonoscopy. There are, are tablets now that are far improved from what we've seen before, where you take 12 tablets the evening before or the afternoon before get a good night's sleep and then come in the next morning and take your second 12 tablets and uh, and then come in for your procedure so the prep is dramatically changed and and we really need to put perspectives that the patients have heard stories or maybe even experienced these previous preps but the world's changed science has changed and so is the technology as it relates to preps well i think the important message is there are choices and um we have about a minute left to uh, carry this into the next segment, but the success of colonoscopy is really linked with an adequate, if there's residual uh, thickened liquid or even solid stool, we can miss the small polyps we're trying to find and, and give you a fresh start. So you're absolutely right. And I always tell my patients it's a team sport. No, not about a sport, but it's a team event. We, we need your help. As much as we can do our job, we need you to help us. And the more you can be compliant with what the recommendations are for the prep increases the ability for us to detect these polyps. And it's critically important. It's not just take part of the prep and you're one and done, you're done. We need your help. So for every increase in the ability for us as gastroenterologists to detect a precancerous polyp, we can decrease your cancer risk about 3% and 5% risk reduction of cancer-related death. So I tell my patients, we're going at this as a team. It's not just about you taking the prep, it's you giving us the best advantage and we're here together as a team. Go team. Let's take a little break and we'll be right back with Dr. Dave Johnson. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. Hi, I'm Dr. Denny Carice, Chief Science Officer at Recovery Centers of America, and I'm here as your addiction expert. I get asked a lot, how do people overcome addictions? Is there all different kind of ways? Can some people just quit? Why do some people need a bunch of treatment? The reality is there is a small number of people who use addictively that can quit on their own. In a study where we asked, did you used to have a problem with drugs or alcohol but no longer do? And found out that 20% of people that say they used to have a problem were able to quit on their own. They didn't need any treatment or anything else. And we see that too with the Vietnam vets. There's a whole cadre of Vietnam vets that used opium and black tar heroin in Vietnam in an addictive way that just kind of quit on the way home and it never was a problem for them again. Importantly, there's a whole other cohort of Vietnam vets for whom opioids is still a problem today. So you don't know if you're in that 20% or not. There's a bunch of people who quit with the help of their church or the help with 12-step groups or other support groups. And then a vast majority of people need some kind of treatment, whether that's outpatient treatment or residential care. And some people need detox to safely get the drugs out of their body. The only thing to know about detox, though, is that you don't want detox alone. That's usually five to seven days. And when people do that, they get all the drugs out of their body. They're at very high risk of relapse when they go back out. They don't have tolerance. They use the same amount 
ton of drugs and they tend to overdose. It's a very dangerous thing. So some people can do it on their own, but it's a very small percent and you never know if you're going to fall into that group, right? And then some people need modest treatments. Some people need very long-term treatment. Whatever it is you need, though, it's important to know that there is help out there. The best predictor that somebody will get into recovery from drugs and alcohol is treatment. Interesting though, the best predictor that someone will stay in recovery long-term and maintain recovery is participation in support groups like AA, NA, and other recovery support groups. If you or a loved one has a problem with alcohol or drugs, call 1-888-RECOVERY today or go to recoverycentersofamerica.com. We answer the phone and admit patients 24-7. That number again is 1-888-RECOVERY. I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars, Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com star. Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement. Are you in excruciating pain brought on by your son, daughter, or spouse suffering from addiction. You are not alone. If you call Recovery Centers of America today at 1-888-RECOVERY, your whole family can begin to recover. At Recovery Centers of America at Devon and Lighthouse, your loved one will be treated with care by expert addiction professionals, while family programming will give you support and healing so that you can recover as well. RCA accepts insurance, provides transportation, and offers intervention services. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. Hey, we're back on your radio doctor. I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie with our guest, Dr. Dave Johnson, a world-class expert on colonoscopy and the bowel prep. (laughs) Dave, we were talking, uh, I'll just ask a brief question about the prep again. When a person has an inadequate prep, they're not completely clear. We're going to miss small polyps and cancers. And you gave us good reason to be cheerleaders and, and do the best we can as patients. We're patients too sometimes. Um, what percentage of the time would you say the prep's inadequate? And then when how do you tell the patient we might have to come bring you back at a short time interval than 10 years? Marianne, again, celebrating March Colon Cancer Awareness Month, this is really the, the- the, the best time to really bring this forward and to get everybody highlighted and excited about the, the colonoscopy as a screening test. The PrEP is really the first point of the, obtaining a quality screening. And as we mentioned in the last sequence, this is really important because detection of polyps means that we can adequately identify them, but not only that, remove them. And if we can't see them well, and there are a variety of reasons where stools covers the polyps or, or that we're finding more and more of these flat polyps that we uh, very much more difficult to identify unless there's a, an adequate preparation. And we define that as based ability to remove relatively small polyps so we can get patients into an interval that gives them the best time between their next colonoscopies. It can go from three years to seven years. And, and again, the, the recommendations are based on the ability to detect and remove, but adequately remove the hesitation that we didn't see something. So an mm-hmm. adequate prep, uh, again, is, again, my patient conversations are, it's a partnership. We need your help and we're going to do our best. 
but the ability to do that is really dependent on the patient trying to adhere to what the recommendations are. So if you don't have a, a, a prep that we would define as, quote, adequate, we will have to bring you back, the national guidelines say, within a year. But if we see polyps mm-hmm. that are precancerous and more high risk and identify therefore other potential polyps, even more so, it may be th- three months. So again, the numbers are, are we're going to bring you back within a year. And so when I tell my patients, mm-hmm. when you're going to do your prep, you really need to understand that we're here to really give you the longest interval protection we can. So we need your help. And uh, we were fellows at about the same time. And my teacher was Sid Winnower, who was also one of the pioneers. And he used to say, say to us, polyps, keep the company of polyps where we find one. It's like when a deer's crossing the road, I say to my children, slow down and stay slow for a while because others will follow. So Dave, you're a pioneer. You led the charge with the very first study in the world that evaluated colonoscopy as a screening study. Tell us, uh, at that time, patients were still undergoing barium enemas as a test, and that's not such a pleasant ordeal. I can see why people would think colonoscopy might be difficult too, but um, and you and Doug Rex, whom we had as a guest last week, co-authored the guidelines for colorectal screening. Tell us about that study. Well, the, the idea that we can detect polyps and remove them is really important. The, the barium enema studies go back, and you may remember this, Marianne, back to the 60s from Sweden, where they actually were not able to do colonoscopy because it wasn't invented yet. And they, they were able to then sequentially follow these polyps and then determine that these polyps actually led to cancers in patients. So when we started to look at the ability to do colonoscopy, we recognized that if we could recognize these polyps early and remove them, we potentially would remove the polyp cancer risk for that individual polyp. So that's what led the, the charge into the mid uh, to, to late uh, 80s. And, and we did the first study, Doug did the second study. So, And it's now become a standard of care. But the idea that, that recognition is best achieved by colonoscopy, but it's only achieved by uh, recognition and removal, which is the only test that colonoscopy uh, is able to provide. So these other tests, as we start to talk about options, uh, may not uh, give you anything other than potentially detection of cancer. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we as gastroenterologists uh, say that colonoscopy really is the best test because it's not only diagnostic, we see the problem, we can remove it. So it's therapeutic. And I was checking on my statistics today from the American Cancer Society. Colonoscopy has the potential to reduce colorectal cancer by 40% and death from colorectal cancer by 60%. And, and so all of these numbers are a bit relative to listeners, but we just want to emphasize that it's a big boost in your life expectancy if you comply with it, with these studies. So as you mentioned, stool tests. For those who hesitate, we say, well, the best test is the one that gets done. If a patient says, I'm a little squeamish about colonoscopy, all right, I'll try the stool test. Tell us a little bit about why they're helpful, but maybe their limitations, if you would. Well, it become even, became even more of an issue and during COVID because uh, colonoscopy suites were shut down, hospitals are not taking things, and colon cancer screening essentially came pretty much dramatically to a halt. There was really not the emphasis because patients couldn't even get it to their own physicians. Screening by colon uh, 
stool tests is an option, but we recognize that that is very limited because these tests for stool tests are about cancer detection, not cancer prevention, which is very important. When we talk about screening, your and my goal for screening is, is prevention of cancer. When we talk about stool-based testing, we're talking about detection of cancer for the most part. They're not very effective in looking at detection of precancerous polyps for sure. Some of the flat polyps we talked about, a whole different issue, they're virtually worthless. So the idea that we can do not only the appropriate screening, but removal, as you said, are critically important. And patients' uh, reticence to come in during COVID, we understand, but what we've seen is a huge delay in screening in general. And now people need to recognize that you can get in and get screened. Colonoscopy suites are incredibly safe. There's been no significant uh, concern about COVID as it relates to even during the COVID infection uh, pandemic that we were concerned about patients that, that had an increased risk for COVID, although all the safety criteria were met. None of these reports ever showed their patients were at higher risk. But we still got to catch up. There are a lot of people that put these things off for screening. Oh, sure. And the American Cancer Society tells us that uh, from March to June alone in 2020, and then add other times when we were slowed with Omicron, et cetera. In those few months, 18,000 cases of colorectal cancer were missed or delayed. The American Association of Cancer Research tells us 10 million cancer screenings were missed from January to June in 2020 alone. So when we look at the stool studies, again, it's better than doing nothing, but the FIT test, which looks just for hidden blood, sensitive or accurate to pick up maybe 75% of colon cancers, but not very good at picking up polyps. And as you say, um, we want to go in and remove those precancerous lesions. And then the, the newer test that combines testing for hidden blood and DNA, it's much better, 92% pick up for cancer. But again, we're still missing over half the polyps and some of them very close to cancer, and you can only have it every three years. So when I uh, say, all right, we'll do a stool test, but if you have a positive, it means you have to come back for colonoscopy. Pinky promise, yes? Absolutely. So for patients to understand, if you choose a test for cancer detection, that you're looking for a late opportunity to cure as opposed to prevention with colonoscopy and polyp uh, resection, where it's a chance to prevent. So that that really is important. And I, I tell my patients, don't subrogate convenience for your health. And this is really something that's really important to understand. Mm -hmm. um, so are there instances when a stool study is just contraindicated? Well, it's certainly contraindicated in high-risk patients. So in patients that are having any evidence of, of, of bleeding or evidence of uh, family history of colon cancer or other things like inflammatory bowel disease. So any patient that's had colon polyps, what we've seen unfortunately is a lot of this, uh, not to be pejorative, but I call it dumb it down, um, it, 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 convenience may represent the easier path, but they're not the ways that these tests were derived to initially uh, meet the market. And so you really have to be careful. These are patients that are stool-based testing is for average risk individuals. So patients that don't have family history, don't have other significant risks. And, and again, recognize everybody's got a risk. So 
people need to put this in perspective, not only for the patients, but they need to do a timeout when they talk to their primary care doc and say, is this really the right test? Mm -hmm. And as we mentioned earlier, we alluded to the idea that we both were in training in the mid to late 80s. We saw HIV. And when we first started training, um, HIV didn't have a name. The virus wasn't isolated, but our our nation was focused on uh, finding the, the reason why all these people were dying. And it's almost a parallel to now. We had to put all of our energy into the pandemic. But I actually, when we talked about coming back to work in the office, I felt safer at the hospital, just emphasizing it's safe to come back to our listeners. I felt safer there because we were all being so careful as opposed to going in and out of the supermarket or something where people weren't, you know, as conscientious about following the rules. So time is the most precious commodity. And one of the things about the bowel prep is that people should know is, yes, it's a time commitment. And maybe that's the reason why people delay. But with your studies and what we know now, the split prep, you can drink half the prep at this time, wait a few hours, drink the second half. If you choose to just sacrifice one day, you might drink half the prep at, say, 5 a.m., the other half at 9 a.m. and get your scope at one or two in the afternoon. So there are all kinds of ways to accommodate people, yes? Absolutely. And the other thing that we've really liberalized is the diet. So what we've published on this uh, recently too is is the ability to give uh, food actually before your, your the day before. We used to always victimize the patient, unfortunately, I'd use that term, the clear liquids. And and now we allow things for selected, obviously, uh, patients uh, to have yogurt or breakfast or scrambled eggs or or some cereal or something uh, that doesn't have a lot of residue for maybe lunch and, 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 uh, and breakfast as well. I like this because it increases the compliance. It doesn't change the ability to detect polyps. And the patients don't have to uh, wake up in the morning and look at a rolling out of bed saying, if I get up, I have to drink bouillon and jello. Um, and it's really changed the, the perspective of what we can do for the patients to make it better, beneficial, but also more, uh, more satisfactory to what they would, they would like to see when they do the day before preparation. Well, I want to say a very special thank you to Dr. David Johnson, uh, professor, gastroenterologist extraordinaire from the Eastern Virginia School of Medicine in Norfolk. You like how I say Norfolk? It's not perfect, but it's not so Philadelphia. (laughs) But you are a master of colorectal cancer screening and the bowel prep. I'm in awe of the work you've done, Dave, and I'm sure that your work has led to the saving of thousands, tens of thousands of lives. So thank you for joining us. Marion, I'm delighted and uh, thanks for great leadership on this call. And and, uh, for the listeners, go blue. This is Colon Cancer Prevention Screening Month. Let's make a difference. Get screened. Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand. This is Emily Rubin, registered dietitian, here to present you with your nutrition tip of the week. So you might have seen Philadelphia's skyline is blue this week. Well, we can thank Dr. Ritchie for her awareness in Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month 
because it's March. So let's discuss some of the healthy tips. A diet high in fiber and low in saturated fat is going to keep our colon happy and healthy. So one of the first tips we want to do is we really want to stay away from high-fat red meat and processed meats. There's been studies showing that eating those particular meats three or four times a week can put us at a 14% more risk of developing colorectal cancer. So what can we eat instead? Let's choose leaner cuts of meat, if it's filet or sirloin, still limiting them to not more than once a week and adding omega-3 fatty acids found in our salmon and tuna. And consuming these salmon and tuna will give us these fats that can help prevent colorectal cancer for up to 10 years. Next, of course, it's fruits and vegetables, which not only provide fiber, which will keep the colon healthy, but also have B vitamins, antioxidants, and the darker the vegetables, such as spinach, and the darker the fruits, as berries, raspberries, coming to the summer season, adding all of these will keep our colon healthy and hopefully help prevent colon cancer. Another option is also trying vitamin D. We get vitamin D from the sun, but that's not always enough. There's been studies taking a vitamin D supplement about 400 IUs per day, up to 800 IUs per day, depending on what your doctor recommends, also help in prevention of colon cancer. This is Emily Rubin, registered dietitian, wrapping up your tip of the week. For more information, go on yourradiodoctor.com. Hi, I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars. That's Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some of these Medicare Advantage plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. And all plans include dental, vision, and hearing benefits with no co-pays for routine exams. Medicare's highest rating, Philly's most popular plan. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com star. Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement. This is your radio doctor, Marianne Ritchie. Colon cancer, number two cause of cancer death. Initial screening has been lowered from age 50 to 45 because numbers are rising in younger people. Join the Blue Lights campaign in March. Put a strand of blue lights on your home or business, a blue light on your porch. Send a photo of your lights or of you wearing blue to info at bluelightscampaign.com. Info at bluelightscampaign.com. Stop cancer. Get screened. When you have orthopedic issues, you need a physician who eats, sleeps, and breathes orthopedics. You need an exceptionally specialized Rothman orthopedics physician. They not only specialize in orthopedics, each Rothman physician only focuses on one area of the body, which means you can have confidence that you can get past pain and be what you were. Schedule conveniently online at RothmanOrtho.com. That's RothmanOrtho.com. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, now Saturday afternoons at 5, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Welcome back to this segment of Your Radio Doctor. I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie, and now I have a very special guest, my dear friend and a colorectal cancer survivor, Mrs. Mary Lux, who's here to share her story. Welcome, Mary. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, thank you for joining us because... This is a, an emotional subject, and it's very brave of you to share your story with us. And 
we've talked about it so many times and thank goodness you came out with positive results and you're here to tell us a few things. I'd love to know our listeners should hear why did you hesitate to get screening? Okay, well, uh, first of all, I'm old. I'm 73, and I never uh, got a colonoscopy, and I was free to get one because I heard the prep was so uh, offensive, and uh, and it, you know, I was intimidated, and I was afraid, and you know, they tell you, you know, they can nick your colon, and there's all these horror stories, and it wasn't in my family that I knew of, and uh, and so I just thought. Let's pretend it's not there and we'll just ignore it. <laughs> Hope I don't get it. So that I, mean, I was afraid and I was afraid of the prep and I was afraid of the outcome. You know, I'm afraid of everything. <laughs> I'm a coward. And so how did you finally decide, you know, you said to your doctor, sign me up. It's time. How did that all come about? Well, in the worst possible way, I had just a, my yearly checkup with my doctor and uh, he had he insisted I got and I was actually doing the fecal blood test, but I skipped them for a few years because that's also unpleasant. Um, but I, I did it and I got a call and he was very uh, like uh, insistent and he's not like that. He's very laid back and he said, you have to get in there. He said, there's there's a blood showing. He said, you know, there's a there's a you know, chance you have cancer. So I did. I went in and I had the colonoscopy at a, a, a neighborhood hospital. And um, they stopped it because it was a large mess. And uh, they couldn't even finish the colonoscopy. And they said it was cancer. And <laughs> I was really upset, uh, obviously, like, which you know, it's exactly what the ad on TV says. You remember that moment and you remember everything around you when they said it to you. Um, so um, I you know, I had, they sent me to get blood tests and they sent me for a, a CAT scan and uh, they came back as, as good as they could be, but uh, I still had cancer. And uh, from that point, uh, the doctor called me and said, you know, probably do it here. And I said, well, if this were your mother, because the doctor was about my kid's age, my son's age. And uh, I said, what would you do? And I said, would you go to a teaching hospital or would you uh, stay here? And he said, well, good question. If it were my mother, I'd probably send her to a teaching hospital. And that led me to call you, Marianne, who is my friend and at a teaching hospital. Although I did hesitate because, as I said before, you always feel like you're imposing a, a friend. Like, you you know, if you have a friend in the business, you're looking for an, an in. And I didn't want to appear that way because why? I'm, I'm no more special than anybody else who's diagnosed with, with colon cancer. But I'm glad I did because you put me in with a, just a great team, a great bunch of people. They really were great. And I think, Mary, you're way too hard on yourself because... <laughs> Uh, now we have to say, in, in interest of full disclosure, we're both Irish, and uh, uh, I know we've said this Guilt. before. No, well, not that so much as my own mother, the the mother of a gastroenterologist. I used she told one of my sisters that she had a problem that she had seen some blood on the toilet tissue. So when I asked her, she said, "No, I didn't." I said, "Mom, you told you told Judy had it." No, 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 no. And I said, "Listen to me. If you ever get colon cancer." You're in big trouble. Not meaning, <laughs> meaning like it was a threat, not right. that I wouldn't help right. her. But right. I said, please, right. let's right. go. And uh, right. she went into the hospital later for another reason. And they did colonoscopy. And she did have a lot of critters in there. They were all benign. But that was the yeah. source of her bleeding. So, you know, right. there are guidelines that tell us. And, and as we know, the new screening age is down to 45 from 50. But we see why people would shy away, especially women. We already take time for the mammogram and the GYN exam. So tell us when you finally had the colonoscopy, what did you think of the whole process? Well, um, it was, you know, it's what it's it's what all the people who actually go have gone through it and are not, um, you know, there's people that actually love to talk about their illnesses and love to magnify everything that goes wrong with them. But the people that I I think are more reasonable, 
say the same thing. It's like the best sleep you're ever going to get. Uh, there's no side effects. You wake up, you're hungry. Uh, you know, it's not like there's a, uh, a recovery period. Uh, and even in my circumstances, which was were bad, you know, uh, they, it was, uh, it, it really is, is not unpleasant. And, uh, and it, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's nothing. How do I say it? it's like nothing. It's a nap. It's a lovely little nap. And, uh, and you know, it's just, it was just, um, I get it. I, you know, you say I'm uh, hard on myself, but I'm ashamed of myself because what could have been nothing, what could have been a polyp. And I told you this anecdote before uh, that the woman I get my mammogram from, she is a radiologist. And uh, she said, she was looking at my thing and she said, you know, I don't, I don't have any information about a colonoscopy. And I said, oh, I don't get them, doctor. She said, you don't get them. She said, when you come to me and I see something, you already have cancer. She said, this is the one thing we can prevent. Why are you not getting it? And I said, oh, all right, I will. And I said, okay, I've got her and I've got Marianne, I've got, you know, and I still didn't do it. I still didn't do it. And I, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I, I think part of it is you make bargains with God. You think, well, if, you know, I, if I eat like, you know, five pints of blueberries a week, I, I won't get uh-huh. cancer, right? You know, but you do, and you know, they're, they're foolish and it's childish and, and, and well, um, not good. But you're, you're, but your role in life now is to share the cautionary tale. And I think you mentioned earlier, some people like to talk about themselves. You are a very generous and humble person and you don't go around complaining about this or that. And now you have reason to help people get away from those fears. When we talked about it before, you said, you know what? I thought I didn't have any risk factors. I'm not a smoker. Your your weight is, you're a little skinny girl. No. You're very active. Well, you are, you, you just will not compliment yourself, Mary, but I can say it because I love you, but you are um, among friends. Other people are afraid of the prep and the process as well. And you look back and say, really? The colonoscopy was not uncomfortable. The prep was manageable. And right. uh, thank the good Lord, you had surgery. You had a great outcome. No lymph nodes contained. Hallelujah. Right. You're ahead of Hallelujah. the game. So right. yes. you're out there waving those royal blue colon cancer awareness color. You're out right. there shaking your... Um, Shakers, yeah. cheerleader. <laughs> I don't have shake, so therefore yeah. I'll, I'll shake pom-poms. <laughs> I meant your pom-poms. That's yeah. what I meant. Sorry. So what is your final message for our listeners? Oh, well, uh, yes, get one. Uh, you know, listen to the people that are uh, have your best interest at heart. Don't listen to uh, to people who are, and don't uh, and don't eat that much for two, for a day or two ahead because it makes the prep very easy, very easy and quick well, and painless. Well, Mary, you are uh, a light in the darkness and you're sh- get to get on and talk about your personal history like this is, is not easy and it's emotional. And thank you so much for joining us because I know even if one person has heard your message, you're changing hearts. So thank you for that. Thank you, Mary. And God bless. Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie is presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars, Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com star. Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement. This is your radio doctor, Marianne Ritchie. Colon cancer, number two cause of cancer death. Initial screening has been lowered from age 50 to 45 because numbers are rising in younger people. 
Join the Blue Lights campaign in March. Put a strand of blue lights on your home or business, a blue light on your porch. Send a photo of your lights or of you wearing blue to info at bluelightscampaign.com. Info at bluelightscampaign.com. Stop cancer. Get screened. When you have joint pain, you need a physician who eats, sleeps, and breathes joints. Someone so focused on their specialty, they've written the book on it, literally. You need an exceptionally specialized physician from Rothman Orthopedics. They not only specialize in orthopedics, each Rothman physician only focuses on one area of the body, which means you can have confidence that you can get past the pain and be what you were. Schedule conveniently online at rothmanortho.com. Official orthopedic partner of the Eagles, Phillies and Sixers. And welcome back to our final segment of Your Radio Doctor, Coaches versus Cancer. The former head of University of Missouri's men's basketball, Norm Stewart, a cancer survivor himself, challenged fans to pledge a dollar amount for every three points his team made during the season. The idea grew, and the American Cancer Society joined with the National Association of Basketball Coaches in 1993 creating an effort uniting coaches across the country to bring help and hope to people facing cancer. Tonight, we welcome Ashley Howard, head coach of men's basketball at LaSalle University, home of the Explorers, to share more about Coaches versus Cancer in Philadelphia. Coach Howard is Philadelphia royalty. He played for Monsignor Bonner, then Drexel University. An impressive history as assistant coach for LaSalle University, Drexel University, went west for a little bit to Xavier, then Villanova, and now LaSalle has the good fortune to call him their head coach. Welcome, Coach. Thank you, Marianne. I appreciate you having me today. Well, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear more about the mission of Coaches versus Cancer at the national level, and then we can talk about Philly. So, you know, we're, we're all very fortunate, um, uh, us, us coaches in Philadelphia, to um, have a brotherhood um, and then to be able to use our platform for an amazing cause. You know, Coach Phil Martelli and Fran Dumpy, they really led the charge, uh, I would say probably about you know 20 years ago, um, just getting the initiative of Coaches versus Cancer Philadelphia off the ground. And, and we've been um, the, the leading um, supporter of the Coaches versus Cancer initiative throughout the entire country. Um, so now, you know, Coach Wright and, Coach Steve Donahue at University of Penn, um, those guys are, are spearheading this deal. And, and I'm just extremely fortunate to, to be a part of it, um, to, to move the initiative forward. Um, it's, it's helped to save a ton of lives and it's, and it's helped to create awareness um, and support for uh, cancer patients, not just in the Philadelphia region, but um, throughout the entire country. So for us to be able to use our platform as basketball coaches, to do something positive to make an impact on the lives of others is something that's special to all of us who are involved. And really, basketball has been the heart of Philadelphia for so long. In full disclosure, I am a St. Joe Hawkette, and so I get it. I, I love Philadelphia basketball, and I know this coming Monday, you have your Coaches versus Cancer tourney tip-off breakfast. Um, tell us a little bit about that. The palestra truly is the heart of the basketball in the city. Uh, absolutely. So, so we have our, our our NCAA tournament kickoff breakfast every year, uh, the Monday after Selection Sunday, and you know what what an unbelievable venue to host um, 
uh, a breakfast in honor of, of, of Coaches versus Cancer, where we bring all of the city six coaches up. We, we give our, our, uh, pre, our, our pre-NCAA tournament uh, selection um, uh, thoughts on, on uh, who we think will advance into the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, we offer our support uh, uh, for the teams that are participating. Um, and that's the really cool thing, right? We got six Division One schools, and and you know Villanova is has always, you know, is is pretty much right now been the staple on the national spotlight. But even last year, we had uh, Drexel University who was participating in the tournament as a Cinderella pick. So we get an opportunity to celebrate our teams who who are participating. We get an opportunity to to just reconnect with our um, with our loyal supporters of coaches versus cancer. And of course, you know, it's all going to, um, you know, our initiative with Coaches Versus Cancer as an additional way to just create awareness and, and to raise money uh, for, you know, such a wonderful cause. And your, the breakfast on Monday, it's corporate leaders and fans that get to network and compare their brackets with coaches like you and sports media personalities like Mike Jensen, Whitey Rigsby will be there. And you're honoring longtime Phillies P, uh, announcer, and cancer survivor, Don Baker. Um, tell us quickly about the gala on April 9th. Um, so, so the gala um, is, is, um, is, is, is where we all get an opportunity to, um, you know, uh, get dressed up. And, you know, again, we have our corporate sponsors and it's a, it's a, it's a black tie affair and, and everybody comes together and, and, and we do a, a raffle um, where we, um, you know, raise, um, you know, some, some pretty substantial money for, uh, uh, coaches versus cancer. We get an opportunity to, to recognize, um, uh, a Philadelphia, uh, based, uh, cancer survivor and somebody who is an inspiration to us all. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to, um, honor, uh, uh, coach Herb McGee this year who um, is a Philadelphia legend, basketball hall of famer, right? Um, so, you know, it's a really cool opportunity for us all to get together, um, you know, get 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 dressed up and, and, and celebrate each other. And, and again, just another really cool opportunity and, and way to, to raise awareness and, and, and raise money for uh, a really good initiative. And Herb McGee, <clears throat> of course, 62 years, he was there when it was textile. Then he was there when it was Philadelphia University. And of course, I'm a Jefferson doc, so we're all one family. It's now joined together as Jefferson University. 62 years, and he had a 1,000 wins. I think only four college coaches have ever reached that milestone. If people want to come to the breakfast on Monday or the gala, they can get tickets at phillycvc.org so they can remember coaches versus cancer yes yes yep phillycvc.org you can you can um you can order uh tickets for the gal uh for for the breakfast and and you also have options to um to uh participate in the gala as well if you would like and i know you shared with me that this is bigger than just helping other people this is coming from your heart because you lost your mom to cancer and that's uh, tough to share. Yeah, well, we, we we've all been affected and impacted um, by um, this 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 disease in, in some way, shape, or form. Everyone has. I lost my mom in two thousand and eleven. 
Um, you know, I'm sure everybody has a story that they can share. Um, that's why this initiative is so important. And I believe it's the reason why we all get the support that we get because everyone has experienced it on some level, whether personally or someone close to them. So we can all relate. Um, but, but the most important thing is that we continue to move this initiative forward and make it better than it's ever been. Um, our goal isn't to just fight cancer. Our goal is to crush cancer um, because we've all um, had that, that um, direct impact where um, it's really, um, you know, left a, a significant um, scar in some, in some cases. Um, so, sure. you know, the fact that we have the ability to, um, you know, come out and have these different events and raise awareness and, you know, provide opportunities to help and support those families who are going through it um, in the moment is something that's extremely special for us all. And that's what's so special about Philadelphia is a big, small town and the whole brotherly love. And as you say, brothers in hoops and, and bringing this initiative together. So thank you, Coach, for joining us. And I'm hoping that as we say goodbye, you might be able to sing a few bars of Fight on Explorers. Yeah? Fight, 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 fight. Come on, you can do it. You put me on the spot. <laughs> Thank you so much. Good luck with your the rest of your season. I know you're going up against the Hawks in a few days. And, um, well, I'll be cheering for both teams. Thank you so much. Fight on, Explorers. Let's go, LaSalle. Thank you for having me. And, um, you know, just so proud of, of all the work that uh, myself, Coach Jay Wright, Steve Donahue, Billy Lang, Aaron McKee, Zach Spiker have done to continue to move this Coaches versus Cancer initiative moving forward. Thank you, Marianne. Your real champion, presented by the Rothman Orthopedic Institute. And now for your real champion, I call this segment the first of the first responders. For the past two years, our nation has witnessed historic challenges, the pandemic, civil discord, increasing numbers of natural disasters. A term that's become familiar, first responder. COVID-made conditions especially risky for healthcare workers under the strain of crowded facilities with dwindling supplies while short-staffed. But for some first responders, like police officers and firefighters, the conditions have always been risky, not just heightened with the pandemic. In fact, police officers from the Elite Highway Patrol Unit are the first of the first responders. They're the officers on motorcycles who have the honor to escort dignitaries or ride in formation at the funeral of a fellow officer. But they're also the first ones called for explosions, gunshots, major accidents, never knowing what they'll face. Officer Andy Chan and Kyle Cross are two of these brave warriors, both wearing the badge because as young boys, they both met police officers who were positive role models. Assigned as partners in Highway Patrol, they quickly developed a friendship based on common bonds of devotion to family, faith, and sense of duty. Everyone knew when Andy reported to headquarters for duty. Upon entrance, he'd announce, Highway! His passion is evidenced in a recruiting video when he shares that if you love doing good things for people, especially strangers, their smile is the best reward. And being a police officer is the best job you could ever do. Kyle remembers their early days together and the Amtrak train wreck of 2015. They were two of the first to arrive. It was like a movie. Dust filled the air. The site was one of devastation. Some had already died, others severely injured. Kyle followed Andy's lead 
Andy was poised, took control, walked straight through a fence, right to work pulling bodies from the wreckage. Wires were down, sparks flying. They worked quickly to bring as many as possible to safety. Even before they were a pair, one day both men were on a train headed to court. A mother got off the train and her small child fell onto the tracks. By instinct, both men leaped into action and saved the toddler without hesitation. Both from the same neighborhood, Kyle picked Andy up each morning. They rode their motorcycles together to and from work every day for four years. They were a team. Kyle remembers with mixed emotions. When he became sergeant, he was honored by the promotion, but would no longer be Andy's partner. On a fateful day, it was Kyle's first time to cover calls from the police radio, and he heard the signal that was unthinkable. Officer down, and the call number was Andy's. Kyle raced to the hospital to be by his side. Earlier that morning, Andy was on his usual path to work when a vehicle driven by an elderly man hit his motorcycle and left Andy with severe permanent injuries. Kyle stayed at his bedside for two and a half days without changing or showering, hoping Andy would respond. Kyle requested that he be assigned to stand duty at Andy's hospital room for the long months to follow, always with his friend. After weeks in intensive care and a year in physical rehab, Andy finally went home. Support has come from Families Behind the Badge, which raises money for families of injured and fallen officers. Hundreds have gathered in prayer for Andy. Andy Chan, a highly decorated officer, 24 years of service, who now faces severe limitations for the rest of his life. I had the chance to speak to Andy's dear wife, Tang. She's grateful for the support from Kyle, fellow officers in the community, as she and her family face one day at a time. Kyle considers Andy to be family. It was Superhero Day at school last week, and Kyle's two children wore t-shirts bearing the face of their uncle, Andy. Kyle shares that the accident changed everyone's life, especially in highway patrol. You never know what can happen. Be thankful for every day. As for loyalty and devotion to his partner and friend, he replied, I'm there for him, just like he'd be there for me. We salute you, Sergeant Kyle Cross and Officer Andy Chan, your real champions. And a special thank you to all the police officers for their service. Thanks for joining us at our new home here on Saturday nights at 5 o'clock. Remember, you can hear all of our shows again when you visit our website, yourradiodoctor.com. A special thank you to our exclusive sponsor, Independence Blue Cross, and for the support from Recovery Centers of America and the Rothman Orthopedic Institute. It's March, Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. Join the Blue Lights campaign. Hang a strand of blue lights on the front of your home or business, a blue light on your porch. Send a photo to info at bluelightscampaign.com. Follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Bring a friend to listen on Saturday nights at 5 here on 1210 WPHT because we're here to remind you that your health is your wealth. Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. To contact Dr. Marianne and to listen to today's show as well as past shows, visit yourradiodoctor.com. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars, Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com star. Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. 
Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement.